Hi guys, welcome to Revive Stronger Podcast. It's me, Steve Hall, and today I am joined by Jeff Alberts from 3DMJ. So I think this is maybe the third time Jeff has been on the podcast now, so it's been a while, um, probably too long, but Jeff has been busy and uh, doing things on his end, and that is something we're going to be talking about today. So a lot of this discussion is going to be around Jeff's recent contest prep and just his past experiences and some gold that I think we can hopefully kind of draw out from Jeff and give you some really key experiences from his prep. So I don't know if Jeff, you want to start out with where you are now, where you've come from this season, how it's all gone, and then maybe we can see where we go. All right. So yeah, I say where I'm coming from is obviously the 2019 contest season where the last show of the season was the WMBF Worlds. And that was show number seven. So I did seven shows over the course of this last prep. Um, but recently, the last four days, I've been enjoying our Thanksgiving holidays here in the States. Haven't tracked anything since the day before Thanksgiving. And right now I'm feeling a little bloated. So I'm like, okay, time to go back to bodybuilding. So, and right now I'm having my coffee talking to you, Steve. So that's kind of where I'm at. So I'll let you kind of guide the conversation because okay. you're really good at that. <laughs> I'll try. You get a lot out of me. So let's go for it. So yeah, Jeff, seven competitions, that's like, that's a lot. And actually my first kind of starting question was kind of how long had your prep been? Like when did you start and has it all been linear? How many have there been maintenance periods, diet breaks within there? Yeah. So it was, it was seven shows. Five of them were competitive. Two of them were, were gas posing, which I did take pretty seriously. Tried to peak my best because I want to make sure that, you know, I'm giving my best look for the for the, for the audience. You know, they pay good money, so take it serious. But the prep started back in September of 2018, the beginning, and it ended in November 16th, 2019. So it was 14 months. And I know for some, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, that is so long. But like you said, it's it really wasn't linear. Um, there was like phases you know, um, I would take diet breaks, you know, refeeds, anniversaries, holidays, birthdays, date nights with my wife. So it wasn't like this full bore hardcore mentality for 14 months. It was more like a lifestyle, learning how to blend prep life with real life is as good as I can. So it's more about picking my spots when to kind of push and back off. And do you think that's something that you're using specifically in your situation, not necessarily something you'd recommend as a standard because obviously you're later in your career, you're very well developed. So you haven't got kind of time to lose too much of. Well, yeah, if you, yeah I mean, you think about the experience level, like here I am, this is my 33rd year of training that I just accomplished as of yesterday. So, you know, if I would say, hey, Jeff, you know, as a 22 year old, when I first did my first prep, hey, we're gonna do this lifestyle prep. Yeah, I don't think that probably would have went over too well just because I didn't know much about bodybuilding as a whole, but I didn't know much about myself back then either. So I think just it just makes sense now, you know, as a veteran bodybuilder that, you know, again, I have that that experience level to know when to kind of, you know, turn the on off switch, you know, either on or off or turn it down, turn it up. Um, and it's kind of interesting because there was moments in this prep where, I took my, myself back to my first prep when I lost 30 pounds in six weeks. So it's about 14 kilos in six weeks. Like that's not the smartest thing to do. But when I went through that, it taught me how to grind and how to persevere. So there was moments of this prep where it was kind of reminiscent of that. Like right before my first show, the mayhem, you know, I brought Eric on board, Eric Helms. I'm like, Hey, you know, I don't need the X's and O's from you. I just need the accountability. I need to go there because we're a little bit uh, behind as far as like getting me to the mayhem in decent enough shape to where I wouldn't embarrass myself. I really wanted to do that show. Um, it is our 10 year anniversary for 3DMJ. I really want to get on stage with Eric. So like, Hey, let's make sure I'm, I'm on board. I'm accountable. And I had to grind for like eight weeks. I was grinding like six low days, one high day. Like and I couldn't deviate. There was no date nights at that point. So I had to tell my wife, hey, we need to, uh, you know, just so you know, the next, you know, eight weeks, I'm going to go there and, you know, I can't really be having my glass of wine with you on the weekend. So it was moments like that, that I had to, you know, kind of dig, which was kind of cool because I used a lot of my experience level over the years in different spots of the prep. 
And when you're, you're kind of describing grind, I think we, we hear it all the time. People talk about it and people have a somewhat of an idea, but what did that mean for you? Obviously it was like a lifestyle prep and then the grind was not lifestyle. So what yeah. on a day-to-day basis, what was it looking like? How are you feeling? What were kind of some of the things to you that means you're grinding? Yeah. It just meant, okay. My calories were like, okay, we need to drop them down about 1700, which is fairly low for a guy my size. And it meant like prior to, you know, grinding, it was like the refeeds two a week on the weekends. Sometimes it'd be loose, like, okay, we're up to like six or 700 grams of carbs. And Eric's like, Hey, we need to kind of stay on top of the refeeds, you know, be more accountable with them. So it's, it's more or less, okay, let me make sure they're hundred percent tracked. And like I said, no wine or anything like that. Like, let's make sure that we're kind of capping the carbs, you know, no more than 500, you know, no more six or 700 to ensure that I was getting that rate of progress that we were looking for. Um, so it was just more or less just buckling down, like it, from an adherence standpoint, like, okay, your adherence needs to be 100% or 95% instead of, you know, 80, 85, 90. So it was just going another level was basically kind of what that means. Yeah. How did you like feel? Did you kind of, was it like you went from, oh, this, this is okay to mm, this sucks? Was it kind of, what was that? Did you suddenly have like lower energy levels, food focus, did that increase? You know, what's interesting. It wasn't so much like, I know what to expect with hunger levels. Like I know, okay, dropping food, increasing steps, like grinding harder. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to feel less energetic at times. I'm going to feel more hungry, but I embraced that as part of the process. Like I know that's what it is. So I didn't have like a negative mindset around it. So it didn't really bother me too much. I mean, yeah, I did feel those things, but I'm just used to it it was more the time component that bothered me more. So like, obviously when you got to increase your step count, that's more time. So it meant like, okay, I have to get up early in the morning and knock that out. So I don't interrupt the family. It actually meant too, on some of the days I was doing doubling the cardio. So steps in the morning, steps in the evening. So it was just time away from the family. And that was, right. that's what was bugging me. It was the, it was more of a guilt feeling. Like here I am, I'm already like not a hundred percent myself, you know, obviously more prepping i don't care how good we try to balance this thing out you're never going to be the same like that's proven to me the last two weeks i have any more food my family loves me a lot more already (laughs) so i already know so it was just more of like the time aspect of it you know and and just like just the guilt like knowing that okay what i'm going to be doing over the next two months stretch it's going to sacrifice a little bit of you know a little bit of my time and energy towards the family a little bit and that's what bugged me the most about it I absolutely can see that. I know from when I've dieted and come out of the diet, I'm then, I'm, I thought I felt great. And then you uh, on more food and you're like, oh, this is what great feels like. And then everyone else can yeah. notice that as well. <laughs> you know how it is when you're in the middle of something, you're like, oh, this, yeah, this is, this is kind of normal, right? That's what you think. And then you come out of it and you're like, oh yeah, that's not normal. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm experiencing again now. It's like, yeah, yeah this is more normal as far as, life and you mentioned steps and i'm not sure if steps was something you used in previous preps um and kind of what made you use them and in terms of like step count what was yours looking like how high did it go probably not as high as maybe some of you guys do there over there in in your (laughs) side of the world but i mean for here like typical step count for me on average would be like anywhere between three and five thousand and that's because obviously i'm a I'm a desk guy. Um, so I would typically run cardio, like some light intensity recumbent biking. Um, but I also know that, uh, I wanted to get myself more active throughout the day outside of, Hey, I want to just want to jump on my recumbent. So I'm like, let me lean on steps more. Cause I can equate that quantify it a little bit better. So I went to steps and I got as high as like before the mayhem, I got as high as like 17, 18,000 a day which for me is yeah. like we're talking like triple the amount that I was typically doing. And what ended up happening is about a week and a half before mayhem, I got severe tibialis tendonitis, a walking injury, right? And how funny, right? You wouldn't think like walking, you would get an injury, but yeah, I got tendonitis and actually on stage, I could hardly pose. Like I literally barely wow. got through the prejudging my ankle was so swollen throughout the day. Everybody's looking at my ankle going, Oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah. And I was literally had to get off my feet that day. So bad. 
So I realized, okay, the season's still very young. Like this is July of 2019. I want to go to Worlds in, in November. It's a long stretch. I'm like, so I knew, okay, I can't keep the walking up. So I went back to the recumbent bike. Um, so for me, it's like, okay, every 30 minutes of recumbent bike, it's about the equivalent of like four or 5,000 steps. So I kind of just quantified it that way. Yeah. So I was like doing maybe anywhere between 45 to an hour of recumbent bike a day, um, maybe five, six days a week for the remainder of prep. I'd pull back at times sometimes, but that was kind of like the average. Did you find you preferred the steps, like being able to get out rather than being stationary or? Yeah, yeah. So the get, you know, that was a huge thing too, is my wife's like, why don't you get out of the house? So I was like, okay. So every morning I would get up and go walk and we have some nice um, levees here by my house. It's got some nice scenery and just getting outside and getting some fresh air just kind of set the tone for the day. Um, and then, like I said, it just got to a point where I couldn't walk anymore. So I went back to the recumbent. And then I said, you know what? Let me buy myself a bike, a real bike, like a good one. So I bought a decent bike to actually ride outside. So I was doing a lot of bike riding in the mornings outside as opposed to just sitting here inside. And I think yeah. for me too, especially working from home, I mean, you know how it is you work from home. It's like sometimes when you're indoors for hours on end, it can be depressing. Yeah. So just getting outside, even if it's for 45 minutes to an hour, and get some fresh air, pedaling the bike, it just kind of sets a good tone for the rest of the day. No, I, I definitely see that. And I think the use of steps has definitely become more of a, a known tool, kind of getting that the neat as we've become more aware that that's a, a, an important aspect. So it's interesting yeah. to see, even though you, there's still a limit to how much you can kind of push that, because I don't think you're alone in the issues with injuries from steps being so high. I think I've, I've heard other competitors where they've had to have pushed their steps and then they've got like a foot injury of some sort. So yeah, that's not funny either. I can't, I can't have even resorted to like mowing the lawns, washing my car, vacuuming, like yeah. staying more active that way. Cause we both know like as those calories come down, especially towards the end, it can make us more lethargic. So if we're not aware, you know, we could actually make ourselves even more lethargic and moving even less. So it kind of is counterproductive when you lower those calories down, you know, if you don't yeah. keep your activity level up. So that's what I was trying to stay aware of. And that's why I was like, Kind of now we rely more on, on step count because you can quantify the activity yeah. level a little bit better. Fantastic. And actually something I wanted to ask um, nearer the start of this interview at least was in terms of obviously previous preps, I don't know, I think it was the last two years you'd kind of attempted to or you planned to go to stage and hadn't quite followed through like you wanted to. And I would love to hear what was the difference between this prep and then also I'm personally, and this might, I might have to remind you of this question, but I'm personally really thankful that you shared that you did kind of attempt to go to stage and it never quite kind of worked out because I think a lot of people do do that and you only see the people that go to stage and there's a lot of people that try and end up falling flat on their face because I don't, for whatever reason. So it's almost an accomplishment for anyone to actually get to stage as long as they're in kind of stage ready condition. Uh, so yeah, I'd love to hear kind of what happened this time versus the other times? What what made this so successful versus those? Yeah, so I think that the huge, huge reason why I was successful this time around of actually getting on stage was because of that failed prep. Like I definitely needed to go through that to learn more about myself because ego kind of got in the way with that last prep where it failed. And uh, I didn't realize that I was dealing with a little bit of a older body um, so my mind was still thinking I was like on the top of the world, right? 2014 had my best ever season, placed top five at Worlds, won the Pro International. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I can just keep doing the same thing and I'll get back on stage in 2017, 2018, just as good, if not better. But I started running into issues with injuries, um, aches, pains. And just the bottom line is like my ego didn't want to let go of certain exercises. They want to let go of like deadlifting, squatting. And those are the squatting more in particular was the reason why I kept getting banged up. Like my lower back, like, like three or four lower back strains. So after the first one, I'm like, okay, you know, that, that happens, right? You get these little, you know, injuries every once in a while. Okay. Let's rehab it a little bit. And then, you know, just taper it back in slowly and work up. Well, I did that pretty successfully. And then out of the blue, my back said, Nope, not today. And got another injury. And, being hard-headed, I'm like, no, I'm going to rehab this because in my mind, 2014, 
coming off a terrific 2013 off season where hit PRs and squats as a 42 year old. I'm like, okay, you know, hit a 460 squat. My lower body looked the best it ever had, you know, at the age of 43. So I'm like, I got to get back to that. So I kept trying to squat. And then finally I'm like, why am I trying to beat a dead horse here? So I'm like, okay, stop squatting. Um, kind of faded out, phased out deadlifting um, with RDL and just kind of just learned that, okay, my body's not what it once was. Like I don't have that recovery ability that I once did. And in a sense, learning how to train again with an older body. It's almost like I was a newbie again, like having to learn all over again. So it was just a long process, right? It was like, a, what, a year and a half, two years of trying to get on stage with an ego, right? And it just didn't happen. And then a six-month off-season of letting go of that mindset and like, okay, open my mind up. Let's try some new things and let's try to figure this out. And here we are. Like, cause just through the prep, I even had some injuries that uh, I had to like learn as I go. And, and what I got better at was like letting go of ego and just like, okay, I can't squat. Let's do, you know, leg press. Okay. I can't RDL. Let's do hyper extensions. Um, so through the prep, I have this prep, I had tore my upper pec doing RDLs because I yeah. got, uh, yeah, I was just, the load was so heavy. Like every week I was like, okay, I'm doing, you know, over four plates regularly. And then my, all of a sudden my body probably just got to a certain level of leanness and leverage wasn't there. And I felt my upper pec rip. And luckily for me, I was still able to do like decline pressing on my Smith, like a, a shortened range of motion. So it's like, okay, instead of having that ego, like, let me try to force like a flat press full range of motion. Let's go with what I can do. And that's how I kind of rolled. So big nutshell is just like, like I said, just learning how to, you know, prep and bodybuild with an older body. Yeah. And I think now that I'm what, probably like three or four years deep into this transformation, like I got a pretty good stranglehold on it. So fingers crossed. I can make it till I'm 50 the next time I plan on getting on stage. So it's like, I learned a lot through that failed prep. Um, like if I would have just had that closed minded ego trying to, you know, fight through it instead of trying to work around it more so then I probably wouldn't have been able to get on stage again. I'd probably been like, yeah, I'm done. I'm retired. My body just yeah. can't do it anymore. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I think, a lot of us, uh, the people listening, bodybuilders, we're very hard headed, which sometimes is brilliant because it means we can do things that a lot of people can't kind of consistently stick to. But then when we can't consistently stick to what we think or love or what it is providing results, it gets really tricky. And I, I, we're sticklers for routine. So I know if I, uh, I love squats as well. I have, and I love deadlifts and kind of removing them for periods of time. I always benefit, but it's always, I do it at like just the last moment, just when squats are starting to hurt rather than before they were hurting yeah. or something like that. And obviously your cases, like with your age and everything like that, it's just, you've been training for 33 years. So that's probably yeah. more time than a lot of the listeners here have been alive on the earth. So I can see how that can happen. And the great thing with bodybuilding is like you said, um, although you're slightly limited maybe because of your garage gym, but you actually have got quite a bit of kit in there now. So that's good to see. Um, oh, yeah. You don't need particular movements, do you? So, Not really. I mean, like through this prep, you know, because we went from like heavy RDLs to hyperextensions for like, I would say probably the last three or four months of the prep. And, you know, Eric's like, hey, just go to our, you know, hyperextension. Your muscle ain't going to go anywhere. So that's basically what I did. So I was, you know, doing hyperextensions anywhere between, you know, 10 to 15 rep range and, you know, maybe one, one rep in reserve more times than not. Maybe the last set, maybe take it to failure, but nothing. It was like, you think about, you know, how hard the leverage is on your body, like four plates in an RDL versus holding a 90 pound dumbbell. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's the burden on your body is going to be less than, but you're still having enough intensity there and enough volume there to, to main, hold on to muscle. Mm -hmm. And the thing too, is like when we're prepping, we realize like it doesn't take as much as we think to hold on to muscle. Mm -hmm. So when the calories obviously start coming up, it's like, do how much more do we need to do as far as our training? Do we need to really overhaul it a ton or just having enough food and getting yourself out of that depleted state? 
you'll be on the up and up. And that's kind of what I've experienced the last couple of weeks since I've, you know, brought food up from the, sh- the season is I already feel more pliable in the weight room. Like towards the end there was like every set I'm doing, I'm like, don't break Jeff, don't oh. break. <laughs> Where it's like, I'm getting confidence now. Like I'm feeling a little bit better, like a little more pliable. But that was like the biggest thing, like going yeah. from that failed prep was just learning how to train again, you know, with a different body and just understanding that, okay, I need to, I always thought I did a pretty good job at not being hard headed, but it was like, okay, I still have to even get better at that. Cause like you said, as bodybuilders, we don't want to like, you know, be sissies or anything like that. We want to push ourselves. And that's basically what my, my mistake was, is I tried to push that prep probably about four months longer than it needed to be. Like I needed to call it quits before that, but my mindset was like, no, don't fail. Don't fail. You can't fail. You got to keep persevering. And it wasn't until I took some progress photos and looked at my pictures and went, yeah, I look pretty bad. We need to stop. So I was like, okay, let's get out of a deficit. Let's start eating again. Let's put some weight on and get myself, you know, in a better environment to, you know, rebuild the tissue I lost actually try to make some gains again in the off season and get myself to a better starting point to kind of restart a prep. So from April of 2018 to September of 2018, that's six months, basically I put on about, I would say 20 pounds, about eight or nine kilos and just, you know, got myself training again and, you know, in a healthy state. And I saw, even though I was heavier, I can see my physique totally just changed. Like, okay, that's the old Jeff. I think we can do this again. And it was just changing the approach heading into 20, 2019, like yeah. as far as the training approach. Fantastic. And I, I just wanted to circle back because this came into my head and I've just remembered it. But with the, when we mentioned you were grinding, for that period of time, as the general recommendations are, as you get leaner, as the diet progresses, your rate of loss falls with that. So maybe starting at 1%, dropping to 0.5% of body weight loss per week, mm-hmm. and then slowly going down. With the weeks of grinding, is that something where you pick that rate of loss up? Or is that just grinding to get any to the target rate of loss, the lower rate of loss? Or is that something where you purposely kind of dig a bit faster than maybe you'd recommend on paper? Yeah, so personally, like for me, personally, I'm talking about me, not just everybody in general, but me personally, it's like, I feel comfortable like around a half a pound a week. Um, but that stretch that we're talking about, like that, the eight weeks leading up to the first show with Eric, we're like, okay, we need to get at least a pound off. So we're, we're, we're kind of doubling that rate, which is still not too aggressive. It's, it's still fairly in line. And I wasn't, and when I got to the mayhem, it wasn't my leanest state. It was more like, okay, we got another four or five pounds we need to lose still. So I wasn't like dying, but, but it definitely was like intensifying the prep because it meant not just like, okay, now we have to drop calories down, increase those steps so the demand goes up. So it puts a little more burden on your training, obviously, because you know, you're using a, you know, resources. But again, it was like more of like an increased stress from a, life standpoint because there was like said like okay now it's more time away from family and for me that elevates my stress knowing that i'm not going to be fully present for my family so i had stress levels going getting and more intense through that eight week stretch outside of just like hey i'm dropping calories and increasing my step count um so that was kind of like i would say one of the harder stents that i had during the prep was that eight weeks prior to that it was more or less like okay let's start the prep let's like you know how it is you start the prep even if you drop some calories down it doesn't have to be aggressive you start to kind of lose some bloat so like the first 10 pounds was relatively easy from september all the way till you know last december christmas time it was like take 10 pounds off now let's chill through the holidays so like a two weeks where i just you know hey let's just stay at maintenance i actually gained a couple pounds back over the holidays then january let's start back up again so it was more like phases. I was like taking yeah. little pieces off here yeah. and there. And then it wasn't until like I said eight weeks before that mayhem show where it's like, okay, we're actually like, this is what uh, prep life is about really. Yeah. Um, so that kind of, like I said, took me back to my first ever prep, like mentality switched. Um, and then after the mayhem, it was, Hey, Sam Okanola, I had one first place vote, vote against him. He's one of the best in the world. Okay, I'm going to do the next the next show in Florida and see if I can actually 
get a couple more judges to swing my way. So it was more or less more grinding after that. Yeah. I took like a four day diet break after the first show. Enjoyed life a little bit. I'm like, okay, now we're going to, we're going to dig again, but it didn't change anything. It was just more of the same. Like yeah. obviously the eight weeks lead and mayhem worked, keep doing it. So I didn't really change anything. We just dug for another, it was like a four week stretch, I think four or five, somewhere in there. Got a couple pounds leaner and got the same result. I still, Sam still beat me, but I don't think I had one first place vote that show. <laughs> He's a big boy. <laughs> but what's kind of cool about having people like that, that are better than you, it's like it pushes you to better yourself. Yeah. So I'm pretty grateful that uh, I was able to connect with Sam quite a bit this season. We talked a lot. My son gravitated towards him a lot. Um, my son even says like, I was doing my cardio and I'm like, he's counting my trophies in my office. He's like, dad, you got a lot of trophies. Like how many? I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, he goes, I bet you Sam has more. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, you need to work harder, dad. I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, just having someone like that competition, it yeah. just pushes you to better yourself. So I'm pretty thankful that, uh, even though, you know, I didn't maybe win those shows, it, it made me even better. Yeah. No, I think that's really nice when I saw that kind of relationship between you two and I, I, it's really nice. And that's what bodybuilding I feel like should be about, like the positive like relationships that you develop and you push each other to be better and kind of you might tease each other that like, oh, I've, I'm going to get you or like I'm going to beat you on the day. But it sometimes you see it turn the other way and it can be kind of almost aggressive and not nice. So I'm yeah. glad that you guys had that. And that's, yeah, that's the bodybuilding I love. And something you mentioned, actually, I wanted to touch on because I think it's super valuable for a lot of the listeners is obviously you have a family and you've taken them through multiple preps. And I guess maybe this one was the best in terms of how you approach that. Have you found any kind of strategies that you've used personally that have allowed you to kind of make it as well balanced as possible so that they don't end up kind of hating you going through prep? And every time you talk about prep, they're like, no, Jeff, please don't. <laughs> I, I would like to think I did a, a good job and the best job I've ever done. Um, verdict's still out on that. I, you would have to probably ask my wife that. I'll, I'll get them on for an interview. Um, I'm like, yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe not. I might hear the real truth. But I would say that from my perspective that, I mean, I do the best I can to balance those two things out. But like I said, when you're, when you're like hyper-focused on – trying to get your body in a state that it really doesn't want to be in You're for, you know, we're forcing it to do what it doesn't want to do that. You're not going to be hundred percent yourself. So 1700 calories, 15,000 steps. Some other people even dig harder than that, you know? And I, as a coach too, I take that into consideration. I'm like, okay, I'm going to dig this person really, really hard like this. I have to think about, okay, How's it going to impact maybe those around like their real life? Um, so it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I want to try to get on stage like at worlds, like, yeah, I wanted to be top five, but the last two weeks, to be honest with you, I stopped pushing. I stopped. It was like, I think it was maybe I think it was about 10 days out. I'm like, you know what? I'm done trying to get leaner. Cause I needed to be, I knew I needed to be a little bit leaner to, you know, take it to another level. For worlds I'm like you know what if I have to, if I do that that means I'm gonna have to double down on cardio again I'm gonna have to drop my calories even further and I didn't want to put my family through two more weeks of it and I know that sounds kind of strange like what do you mean Jeff it's only two more weeks but it's 14 months that I put him through that lifestyle so I didn't want to be selfish anymore I was like and and physically and mentally I was done I was so yeah. tired I'm like I'm done like it's not worth it to me I know I'm gonna do this again like I knew I wasn't going to retire after this year. So I'm okay with where I'm at now. Like I, there's nothing for me to prove. And like I said, as much as I feel like I did a good job of balancing it out, I know deep down they're still impacted from it. Yeah. You know, and it's proof to me, especially too, after the world is over now I'm two weeks post show and they can see the difference. They've even mentioned it. So I know, okay. They feel it. They may not, like my wife is not a complainer. She won't say, hey, you're being yeah. an asshole or anything. She just kind of just like, if I am, she'll just ignore it and just kind of move on with her day. But yeah, to me, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to put them through it. So they're still, I'm not perfect. Like I'm still working on it. And 
So why am I going to compete again next year? It's like, yeah. I can definitely compete next year if I really wanted to. It's like, okay, yeah, just go back to what I've been doing the last 14 months. It's a lifestyle, but it, it's like, I've, I've had my fun this year. Now it's their turn. It's yeah. like, okay, now I need to be more present for them for, for 2020 and then 2021, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it again. And you were still managing. I know I at least won holidays in my mind where I think you went to Mexico and uh, oh, okay. I saw you working out with a, a water. Well, I don't, it wasn't a water bottle. It was like a, a big water jug and you were doing yeah. kind of your workouts there. So how did you kind of balance holidays and like nutrition? How was that? How, did you enjoy the holidays or were they more of a kind of almost like a bit of a mission to get through in a sense? Yeah, to, so to be honest, my wife surprised me with that holiday. She's like, yeah, I booked this Mexico trip. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, why did you book this right <laughs> yeah, a month that. before Worlds, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, it is what it is, right? I got to try to have, have fun with it. So to be very honest, I probably would have had more fun if I was drinking margaritas versus yeah. protein shakes on the beach. Um, but I made the most of it. And um, I just made sure that, like, you know, whatever goes in my mouth, that doesn't mean that's not going to dictate fun. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I was like, okay, if I have a chicken breast at restaurants, vegetables, I mean, yeah, I'd rather have enchiladas or whatever, but I mean, I made it work. Um, trained with a, a, a water jug. So there was a gym, there was like a, uh, cause the resort we stayed at, I had a plush gym, but you had to pay like, it was like one of those fancy resorts. We had to pay a lot of money for this country club, oh, yeah. like gym. Like, man, I'm not paying all that money. Um, and plus I didn't want to go spend two hours of my day, take away from family vacation. So I'm like, okay, I get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, the water jug filled up. It's like 40 pounds all the way filled. I'm like, I can do things with that, you know, while my son's watching cartoons. Um, so I was working out with him while he's watching TV. So I was interacting with him and it just kind of made it uh, a part of the vacation. And then after I was done training, then obviously it was like, okay, now we can go on with our day as a family, go to the beach or whatever. And I knew I was probably going to have more steps on the vacation than I did here yeah. at the house sitting at my desk. So I knew even if I wasn't 100% perfect with macros, because the only food that I like really tracked really hard was breakfast because that was the only meal I ate at the house there. Everything else was like lunch and dinner was like we were eating at a restaurant. So I knew I wasn't 100% accurate, but I knew, okay, being active was going to basically make up for it. Yeah. And um, basically, I got back from the week-long trip, and I was right around the same weight, but I actually visibly looked a little bit leaner. So it was, it was productive. Um, but yeah, to be honest, though, yeah, it probably would have been more fun, like yeah. I said, if I was able to eat freely and things like that. No but but the, that's the mindset, like, Going into it, I could have had a pessimistic attitude. Yeah. You know, hey, oh shit, oh, I got a vacation on my prep. This is going to be hard, sucks, I can't eat. But I was like, no, I'm going to make the most of it and just try to make the environment uh, conducive towards prep and, and life. So I think we made it work pretty good. Even yeah. my wife said, just do what you do at the house, just do it in Mexico. Yeah. Um, it was actually the week after that kind of got me a little bit more challenging. It was the week after we did a guest posing in Mexico City. So I got sick the first time in Mexico from the, from, I drank some soda that had like ice in it. And I think the the ice got me, uh, got sick, then I came back. And then when I went back to Mexico city on the way back, same thing happened at the airport. I ate, so I drank a soda, had ice in it, didn't think, got super sick. So that two week stretch, I got sick twice. And then two weeks after that was worlds. And to be honest, worlds, I haven't seen the professional pictures yet, but I think it might've been like not my best look right? Um, out of the entire prep. And I think just the, just my body was just like, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've been sick twice. Yeah. It was hard for me to train and things like that. I guess when you're dieting and you're so lean as well, your immunity becomes a bit suppressed. So you might've been yeah. able to fight off a little bit when you are kind of in normal Jeff mode, but when you've been dieting that long, it's just, yeah, the little things can catch you. Yeah. It's just, again, like that goes back to like the failed prep, the training, like how important the training is. Like that first prep was because of the training, why things failed and didn't work out too well. The last month here, the training wasn't too ideal, like training with a water jug. I mean, yeah, I made it work, but yeah, it's not like you're lifting your normal stuff. So I think that impacted it. And get, like you said, getting sick body, just like what's going on here. And like, there was like a two or three week stretch where just training wasn't too ideal. And, yeah, when you're 
severely like depleted or in that deficit, you know, towards the tail end there, it's like, yeah, that training is so important. And, and I it guess this is, there. sorry, I was just going to say, I think it just kind of highlights how sensitive your body is when it's in that really lean state. It's just like, if you're slightly off with your routine, with your training, with anything, if it's slightly off, you can, you feel everything so much more. And I guess that's why such long preps, like how long yours was to the end, I guess the, the you just, you can't, this is why it's unsustainable. You, you, you can't sustain such a thing. Yeah. Your body just, even if you can maintain your weight, some, your body's not going to look as good. It's going to look stressed. Uh, yeah. I think that's something that, uh, we talked about too, like actually, um, Adam McDonald, uh, oh, yeah. athlete. Yep. We, cause he stayed in the Airbnb with us, uh, for worlds, um, Eric Helms. So that's a conversation we had about basically trying to hold on to conditioning that long. Like, I think I, like for me, I noticed my physique, like the last two shows just did it. It, looked, it was more like a tired look. Like you yeah. could just tell your body's starting to look a little tired. It's fading out. looks a little flatty. Um, and same thing with Adam, you know, he had a very long prep too. Like his best look was in July and then we extended out a prep. Well, September he did well too in a show in Ireland there. He won a show there. And then we tried to extend it out to Worlds. And it's kind of the same thing for me. Like that last two month stretch, you're just like, your body's like, yeah, you're holding on to your body weight. You know, you're, you're eating, you know, you are eating enough, but it's just like, it's just hard to, to keep that, that healthy look that long. Yeah. So what I've taken away from this prep, like the main thing is the next go around, it's not going to be as long. It's going to be right. like, okay, let me, let me group two or three shows and you know, two or three months stretch and then I'm in and out and that's it. Yeah. I can see how, especially if you maybe you haven't planned to do as well as you do and then you end up qualifying for things and it's like, oh, my preps just got extended by another two months and then maybe it gets extended by another two months. And it's like yeah. it's quickly a six-month prep becomes like a 10-month prep and you're like, okay. So, and you maybe peaked, you could effectively peaked where you wanted to, but maybe have now peaked early. So I think that's really interesting. Um and in terms of where you are now, what obviously it's, I think you're going through the recovery diet. How's that individualized like to you? How's that looking for you specifically, Jeff? So for me personally, like coming off, like the, the lowest calories I had at the end there was about 1800 calories. So I went straight from 1800, like on my low days and like anywhere between three to 3,500. Um, so I just increased the calories quite a bit and the cardio, I just eliminated altogether, just stopped doing it. And, um, like the goal was just like, Hey, let's just gain some weight. And I wasn't really stressing on how I looked or anything like that. Cause my mentality is like, I just spent 14 months of my life hyper-focused on a goal and it took up a lot of energy. So, Hey, I can, I can relax a little bit. It's okay. If I don't look perfect, you know, for like a two, three, four week stretch, let's just, get some body fat back on me. Let's feel good again. And let's eat some meals with a family where, you know, I'm not eating chicken breasts, you know, I'm actually eating what they're eating and they can, cause that was one thing my son was saying. He's like, dad, are you going to be able to eat with me again? You know, it wasn't like eat with him again, as in sitting down and eating yeah. together. It was more like, are you going to eat the same foods I am? You know? So, so just kind of letting go of that hyper-focus. That was kind of the, the big thing and being okay with not looking dreaded. You know, because that's a big thing I think mm -hmm. with a lot of people. It's like they work so hard to get a certain look, and then all of a sudden, a week later, like, oh my gosh, it's gone. Yeah, and it's a big stressor. But for me, it's like I really kind of embraced that. I want to feel good again. I want to feel human again. And like a week or two later, like I said, I feel so much better. And even yeah. the workouts, like just the strength increase, just even the first two or three workouts, like, oh, okay, this is what it feels like to push these weights again. And I know like that's what's going to be conducive towards the next time I get on stage. So it's, yeah, it's just more or less, I mean, I jacked my calories way up, but I've enjoyed myself. Like I said, when we first started the podcast the last four days, I feel bloated. Um, I'm up about 12 pounds. I'm like, okay, I can, now I'm going to lower the calories down now. Like, okay, let me go from 3000 anywhere now between 25, 2800, I'll be able to maintain the current weight I'm at. So it's like, if you think about it this way, an analogy, like you're getting on the, like right now I got off the freeway, like off the highway from prep, right? I'm off the highway. 
speeds come down. Okay. But I now have to get back on the freeway. So going towards off season, I have to put my foot on the gas in order to do that. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, I'm pretty much on the freeway now. I don't need to keep my foot way on the gas. So it's just a matter of, okay, let me just back, back the gas off and just cruise a little bit. And so that's why I'm bringing the calories down. Cause otherwise if I keep it three, 3,000, 3,500, I'm gonna keep gaining and it'll just yeah. be too little, too quick. And then I will get uncomfortable where I'm like, yeah, I do look sloppy. Yeah. And the last thing I want to do is be like, Oh, let's mini cut. Like yeah. that is so unproductive right now at this point. I just spent 14 months cutting. Yeah. Do you have a, do you like from previous preps experience, do you have an idea of how long it's going to take you to feel completely normal or um, are you kind of not sure where that might be? It's, it's varied. I would say over the years, um, the last time, like in 2014, I would say it was probably about four or five months later where I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel not food focused anymore. Um, libido is where it should be again and things like that. Like right now I can tell like the first, even the first week and a half before the Thanksgiving holiday, even though I was eating 3000, 3,500, my sleep was terrible. Like, cause at the end of the prep, I was getting up at like three and three in the morning every night and I was getting maybe four or five hours sleep average. And usually my normal is like seven or eight in the off season. And even like a week and a half later eating that much, I was still getting up at three. So I knew like just from that, I'm like I'm not even close to being normal and libido. Yeah. I'd still rather eat a cheeseburger. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, so I'm not there yet. Um, but it's better like the last yeah. four or five days I've been sleeping through the night. So I'm just feeling way better just because of that. So we're Absolutely. getting there, but I would say maybe a couple more months, maybe. Yeah. It's surprising how quick a lot of things come back rapidly and then it kind of slows down, I guess, like the weight gain, uh, ideally how you want that to go. Um, it's interesting you brought up sleep. I just always find it interesting because sleep obviously just when you diet and when you're that lean just goes pretty poor. How many, like times in through the night, would you wake up during prep? Oh man, I would say probably like once I got to a certain level of leanness. So from the month of August, cause I was probably in like August, September is when I got where my leanest state was. And I kind of maintained that for the most part, I might've gotten a little bit leaner, deeper into it. But from that point until the end of prep is when my sleep was like, bad like I, you know melatonin all that yeah it gets you to sleep but doesn't keep you asleep yeah. so i was popping up like most nights like i said i'll get up about three so i was only getting like four or five hours yeah and even before that i like get up about 12 or one and you know the old bladder's like hey you know you need to empty this out so it was like just disrupted sleep and like just not that much sleep in general and that that's so yeah that's huge you yeah, know it beats you up it does yeah so I always think, yeah, sleep for me from my last prep, I remember it. It just, I was, I think I woke up six times for quite a while. I was just waking up and I needed to, I thought I needed to pee or I just had to get up. And, and then it took a long time for that to come down to eventually I was sleeping through the night, which was like, where did this come from? I've never, I haven't slept through the night in years. So, and then libido again, I think is an easy one to kind of have a bit of a track of to know if you're, you're back where you should be. Yeah. Yeah. Like even like, and then caffeine intake, like for me, it kind of got elevated too. Cause like during the day, you're just like, I need to pick me up. Yeah. So like you start leaning on caffeine a little bit more than you'd like. So that wasn't, you know, one aid that I was using towards the end. But, but yeah, so if you think about it, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, post show, I mean, yeah, it's nice to look aesthetically pleasing, like shredded. Like I would love to maintain like that shredded physique year round. I mean, it looks awesome, right? That's what we work so hard for, but you know, all those side effects to it, it's man, it's like, it just, it, it wears on you. Yeah. So for me, it's like, I, I would, I'll admit, you know, even my past, like it would be hard to put that weight on and see yourself go. But now it's like, I've kind of embraced, like that's what I was gunning for out the yeah. gates. Like, let me look soft, please. Like I was just like, just so I can feel good. And what's interesting too, like back in the nineties, when I first started competing, there was no reverse dieting or recovery diet. Like the mentality back then, you know, we're not as educated as we are now, but back then it was like shows over eat. Let's okay. Yeah. Let's, let's put the weight back on. Let's get in the gym and kick some ass. So it's kind of like, I've again, gone back to my roots with that mindset and mentality. So it's interesting how, like past experiences, you, you tend to, you know, use 
bits and pieces um, as you move forward in your journey, which is, no, is kind of cool. So I've done a lot of reflecting yeah. the last two weeks, obviously. It's, you know, it, it always surprises, not surprises me, but it's, you hear all the kind of the, the bro science and that's then put into the science. And quite often the science ends up proving a lot of the things that the bros used to do because they, end doing, up, yeah. they do it through experience. So I uh, kind of, yeah, a lot of it is frustrating, but at the same time, it's kind of confirming a lot of if you're doing something and it's working, like don't feel bad if it's not proven yet. So I think that's really nice. Uh, something I yeah. did want to touch on, uh, I kind of skipped, I didn't skip over it, but I forgot to talk about peak week for yourself jeff i don't know if um obviously you had seven shows so i don't know if you tried any different things this season or um tried different peaks and if anything kind of if you feel like you learned anything or it confirmed any thoughts to you because i know maybe i feel like you've had a bit of a conservative um peaking methodology in general i kind of quote you often saying like peak week is the week not to fuck up so or uh, something along those lines (laughs) yeah yeah we it was like i yeah, I'd say over the, the seven shows, like I didn't do things identical. Like I experimented a little bit here and there to kind of see, to learn more about myself. Um, the first show for Mayhem, it was just more or less, hey, let's have a couple of refeed days on Thursday, Friday. Because I did, a, like I said, I did a lot of digging leading into that show. And I knew like if I wasn't a little assertive on loading that I would be a little on the flatter side. So it was more or less like keep water intake up. Don't manipulate sodium too much. Just keep the variables in check. The only thing I changed was like the carbohydrate level. Like so Thursday, Friday was like 500 carb days coming from like right around 250. So it was like doubling carbs up. And it worked pretty well. Like that first show, I looked very full on stage. It hard for, our, for, the, for the level of leanness I was at that point. And I had a good look for that show. Um, the following show, again, doing a lot of digging. So leading in, so context leading to shows huge. Like, like I was like digging hard for those first two shows. So I was more in a depleted state. So I knew I needed to be assertive loading going into the shows, not to look flat. Mm. Um, so I did more or less kind of the same. The only thing is I only did one loading day for the second show. I'm like, okay, let me get, let me dig harder. Cause I was like, I got to get lean like Sam, I gotta get leaner than Sam. So I was like, let me push harder to get the conditioning. So I just pushed uh, the dieting days out further and I went Friday was a big high day. I think it was like right around 900 grams of carbs uh, coming from like 200. Um, water intake was high, sodium and all that was, you know, it was obviously higher because of the higher food intake. Um, and I peaked pretty well for that show again. Um, so it, it kind of worked there. Um, and then I'm trying to think what the third show was. The third show was a guest posing. So that one, I decided to go a little bit more conservative. So leading up to it, I wasn't grinding as hard. I kind of pulled back because I had like a diet break after the second show. So I wasn't in a, in a depleted state as I was earlier in the prep. So it was more or less, okay, on the day before the show, it was like just like a, a moderate refeed day. So it was about 450 carbs. Um, and what I did there was I tried to keep, you know, sodium not, too high kept it a little bit tame and water intake I actually cut back a little bit from my normal amount I want to experiment with that a little bit so usually I would take in like before shows upwards of two gallons of water so close to seven liters Um, but for that one on the day before I kept it at about three and a half liters it's about a gallon and then before the actual uh, getting on stage I kept it to about 20 ounces of water per meal and nothing in between and it actually was one of my better peaks so I was like okay I think cutting a little bit of water for me actually is actually better um, so I, I kind of kept that approach for the NPC show I did um, in Sacramento that was um, in early November I actually cut my water for that show I told the guys like I'm actually gonna cut some water and just experiment here it's an NPC show it doesn't really mean anything so I actually was probably the best peaked there like that was my hardest look um, at the, the carbs were high like I kept carbs high you know Thursday Friday loaded up um, but kept the water tame so it was like maybe Friday the day before or like not even a gallon maybe three-quarters of a gallon and the show day about a half a gallon and I actually looked harder there. So I think personally for me, 
it's like actually limiting water intake is actually better for me personally. Like that's not something I recommend for 95% of my athletes. It's usually opposite. Um, and then going into the worlds, I probably should have listened to what I did at the MPC show. So I went back to going to higher water, higher carbs. And I don't, I still don't know the full verdict because I haven't seen professional yeah. pictures, but I just think from some of the pictures I've seen and just by gauging what I was looking like in the mirror and stuff, I looked harder at the, like by limiting water a little bit for me, Very interesting. which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, sometimes it's like you look at some of the science or some of the, what the other people are doing out there and you're like, okay, it makes sense to like go with the grain. But for me, it's like I actually learned like going against the grain for me personally might be the better option. Now, who's to say in the next prep that works? It might not yeah. work next time. <laughs> so it's just, it's one of those things where I don't think over the years I've done close to 40 shows. Like I haven't had like, let's say that quote unquote perfect peak yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of frustrating because it's frustrating because there is no black and white answer, but it's just. And there's no kind of one way to peak every single prep. You might have, your physiology is changing every peak you do in an entire prep, let alone every year that you end up doing it. So um, yeah, it's interesting to experiment. And I guess you made small changes. They weren't kind of like drastic. So you knew nothing too much was going to go wrong. No, I think that the one of the shows I'm like, you know what, I'm going to duplicate what I do after my refeats. Because on Monday when I go to train my upper body session, I look great like Mondays after these refeeds during the training session, like my best. So yeah, it was the second show. That's what I basically did was I duplicated that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get on stage at around this time. So I'll just pretend that's when I'm doing my upper body training session and I mimicked everything and it worked out pretty good. But again, when I think back, like, okay, I want to look at show number five or whatever number it was when I cut some water down, I like I actually look harder there. But that just could be me too. Like, yeah. cause you also like take into consideration too, like stage lighting. Yeah. You know, it's not always the same show to show photo quality, you know, cameras are different, whoever's taking the pictures. So it could be in my mind too, just like the perception, you know, yeah. based off of the lighting and the camera, maybe it's not true. Maybe I did peak better at worlds. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's so true. The lighting makes a huge difference. Uh, lighting and the, the camera quality and everything makes makes an insane difference. So I, I can absolutely see that. Um, yeah. Also, and too, it, is who you're standing next to. Like, yeah. When you're like the guys at the NPC, like I was the leanest one up there. Right. So, of course, I'm going to think, yeah, I peaked pretty well there. Whereas at Worlds, it's like everybody's peaked well. Yeah. So if you're off 5% and they're on, it's, you're going to look soft. Like, okay, me, okay. Me, in my mind, you know, I didn't cut water there. I'm thinking maybe I should have cut water. Maybe I shouldn't have. It's just, maybe it's just, again, the lighting who you're standing next to, man, it's just, it can be frustrating, you know, yeah, assessing that. Absolutely. Uh, so Jeff, to finish, what are your, oh, actually, first of all, what was your most kind of um, cherished or best or proud moment during prep? And then what are your goals from here on for your kind of improvement season, off season? Mm. You know, it's not the placings. Like I placed very well, like in almost all the shows, like placed really well. But at that stuff, I'm like, eh, it's more like that first show getting, you know, sharing the 10 year anniversary of 3DMJ with Eric, Alberto, Brad, all the athletes we had there at that show, um, you know, having my dad in the audience, my wife, you know, the, like those those are the things that are going to just you know, like last a lifetime. Yeah. And each show had its own experience. Um, and it's usually like the placings are usually like second thought. It's always like, Oh yeah, that second show I did where I was trying to beat Sam. Well, you know, after the show was over, we walked backstage, you know, after I learned I was second, I was on a FaceTime, my son. And the first thing he says to me is where's Sam? <laughs> So I go and hand the phone to Sam. Sam gets the phone and starts chopping it up with my son for about three minutes. And he was talking to somebody else, but he stopped his conversation to talk to my son. Like those are the little moments that are, that are going to stick with me more so than, hey, I play second in a WBF show. Like that stuff's going to fade out. So yeah. that's for me, it's like, yeah, just even though my prep was a little long and probably extended out a little too long. You know, saw my body deteriorate a little bit, but man, I don't regret it because I had so much fun from show one all the way to show seven. Um, and that's why I'm going to do it again. Like it wasn't, you know, it's for me, it's not like, Hey, 
going into 2021, trying to get back to worlds. Cause that's the goal. It's not like, Hey, I want to win a world championship. I mean, if it happens, that's awesome. But it's more like, I want more fun. Like I want to continue okay. to have the fun I had. So, I mean, the game plan now it's like for 2020 is just to just continue what I've been doing really. Um, I'm not going to, you know, alter a game plan too much. Um, just going to eat more food and um, try not to hurt myself. That's the main thing. Um, but I mean, I would like to a couple body parts to try to bring up. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to try to, you know, maybe bring a little bit of volume up, but it's not going to be overly aggressive. Like I need to bring my shoulders up a little bit. So it's like, okay, let me do some laterals, you know, after a leg workout, like yeah. let me just run the rack, you know, like I'm not going to, you know, go all crazy and do like, I'm going to increase my frequency of, five times per week or anything like that. Cause I know for me, it's just going to lead to overuse injuries. Like if I can't walk 15,000 steps <laughs> without hurting myself, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to train six, seven days a week, you know? So. Yeah. Fantastic. Jeff, I love that perspective. And I, I guess I don't know if, um, is there, has there been previous preps that you haven't, has there been preps that you haven't loved as much? And what, is there any differences between those? It sounds like you, you get your family kind of involved, at least from your stories and from what I've heard. You talk to your son a lot and you kind of have him involved a lot, which is lovely to see. And I mm -hmm. guess maybe other people would try and remove themselves from that or um, like, and obviously you have, you know, through DMJ are huge. So you obviously have like a lot of contacts and people that support you. Do you think that kind of makes it what you love? Is that what you love about it? Oh yeah, for sure. Like just, I mean, obviously when you have, those you love that are supporting you that are with you. And the one thing I learned from uh, Smiley Elmore Jr. who was our, one of our sponsored athletes back in the day, he was like, Jeff, make him a part of it. And it's like so simple advice, right? But yeah. it's huge. It, it, it could just be like my son and I just doing a selfie in the mirror. Like just having him be a part of it makes him feel special. That makes me feel special. Um, there was lots of bike rides and walks I did with my stepdaughter where we talked about life and helped her to learn as a, to grow, you know, as a, as a teenager. Um, and, you know, again, just having my wife involved and all that. I mean, that's what for me anyways, what it's all about. And, you know, I guess my earlier days, it was more around trying to win at all costs. Yeah. And for me, like the cost was a lot of poor relationships. And so that's what I, what I try to strive to show to people is that, you know, Hey, you, you gotta be, try to be as human as possible while you do this, because, you know, it is very consuming, it is an obsessive sport. It can be. So that for me is pretty important. And I think what I love too about this prep is that I was able to share it with others and the feedback I was getting was positive on how it's helped others, yeah. whether it's inspiring people or it's learn having them, you know, balancing out the sport more or you know just relaxing a little bit maybe on if they're over analyzers they're like okay i can actually relax a little bit i don't have to be perfect so there's a there's just just that feeling of like being able to share mm -hmm. and you know not just help myself but help others through the sport um so it's kind of a cool thing and that's why i keep doing it it's fun yeah no, that's great. I, I love hearing that. And I think you do do a fantastic job at sharing. And especially because um, I think there's a lot of people who are at your level who don't and uh, who kind of keep it to themselves. But uh, you do share it and you do a fantastic job of that. So if people want to kind of learn more about kind of you and follow your journey into your next kind of season, your off season right now, and maybe look back at some of your old posts, if they're entering like a 2020 prep, I'll probably be looking over some of your old posts to keep me a little bit sane. Um, where should they head? Instagram. So 3DMJ Godfather on Instagram. That's probably the main uh, platform. And then there's a little bit on YouTube. So 3DMJ slash team 3DMJ YouTube. Um, that's probably the two, two best ones. And then they can hear you as well. You've got your own kind of team 3DMJ podcast. You've spoken bits about your prep over there as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the 3DMJ podcast. Um, we definitely do that. And actually you, Steve, the first person to talk about our prep, um, which ah, I know. I know you spoke bits about the kind of it here and there, but not in not a full interview. That's good. <laughs> yeah, so this is the first one. And I think um, outside of 3D muscle journey, like you definitely are the first person I would love to 
share this all with. So I'm glad I, I had the opportunity. That. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Jeff, tremendously for coming on. It's always a pleasure and we will catch you soon.